Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Liam today. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Good, man. You're listening to Faith FM. How are you guys going today? I'm living the dream, mate. You're living the dream? Doing well. Oh, I love it when people are living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so why are you living the dream, Liam? Tell us a little bit more about why you're doing so well. Uh, look, it's- I'm not complaining, by the way. No. I love that you're doing well. No, thank you. No, it's, it's, it's been a while since I've been on radio, and um, it's, it's good to be back. I'm glad. I'm happy. And it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. I love getting on here and, and getting to talk to our wonderful listeners again. Um, so it's a pleasure to be with you again uh, after a little while. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the main reasons. That's good. How are you feeling? I'm doing great. It's good to I, hear um, you. You know, I was, I was actually, uh, here, here's a question for you, Liam, cause, and here's a question for our, all of our listeners. Like, when it gets to this time of year, it's December, and it's officially December now, so I think it's okay for me to say that. Like, 100%. Like, when we get to, if you're playing Christmas music at Coles and Woolworths when you walk into the shops before you hit December, that, I don't know how many people are a fan of that. I'm but, not. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my dad's birthday is is December first, so for us it's like a it's a big part of the celebrating dad's birthday is doing the Christmas tree, setting up all the decorations and everything. So it's for us it's in, in my family it's very very special, and uh, it's something that we we take very seriously. We we don't <laughs> love it. We don't even mention it. Before before Dad's birthday, oh, I love it. That's really cool. Yeah. So in another a, a different question, but uh, I don't know how I, I, I guess I kind of forgot where I was going with that. My, the goal was to talk about just uh, it's interesting. We're coming into Christmas time. We are indeed. The music is playing. It is indeed. And uh, one thing that was just kind of neat today for me was I was I think I was at Woolworths and uh, or, or Coles. I was I was at one of these these places and I heard a, a Christmas song come on, but it wasn't just like a Santa Claus Christmas song. It was a it was a spiritual Christmas song. I thought that was really cool. Oh, fantastic. What an opportunity to hear about Jesus on the radio at a at a grocery store. I thought that was pretty neat. But the other question I have for you before we get into a little bit about our show is what is the longest distance you have ever traveled on foot, Liam? On foot? On um, foot. Like in in one day or over a couple of days? Uh, give us the, the total, give us both. Okay, so in one day, <laughs> I did, I think I did 20Ks once. Nice. And then over, uh, I think it was a, a week, we did 60 uh, or 65. Nice. With um, So did, how many days did it take to do 65 kilometers on foot? That was four days. Four, four days. Four days. Yeah. The, the reason I ask, I know I can ask you this because you, like myself, have worked in the outdoor industry. Indeed. And uh, there's a lot of walking usually involved in the outdoor work, lots of Duke of Ed hikes and things like that. But um, we're going to be talking today about the birth of Jesus, and we're going to talk about the people who first acknowledged that he was born. And in that space, in that story, there's a little bit of a long journey that we're going to talk about that Mary and Joseph took to get to that location. So don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great show today. We're going to talk about that in Luke chapter 2. We're going to be hearing from our good friend Paolo, and uh, it's going to be a great time. This is Francesca Battistelli, Messiah. Long awaited, precious promise, Son of God and Son of Man. Heaven's glory in a manger has come to us in Bethlehem.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Liam. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. You sure are. And uh, we're just about to get into our weird and wonderful world segment, which I'm super excited about. I always love getting surprised. I think it's probably the reason I like it so much is I don't plan it. I just get to react and respond like all of you guys do who are listening. But um, before we do that, just one more shameless plug to get us started for the day. If you have any spiritual questions, any questions about the Bible or about God or about anything in that ballpark, we would love to hear from you for our question of the week segment that happens at the end of the show. And if you would like to send those in, you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-F. FM or text in it 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what do you have for us today, Liam, for uh, our weird and wonderful world? So today, we're, when we get into our Bible study, we're going to be looking a little bit more into Jesus' birth. Yeah. And we're focusing on the, the shepherds today. Yeah, they're definitely in the story. They're definitely in there. They're and in there. One thing that is also there that you'd assume is there because of the shepherds is sheep. And that's what we're getting into today. I love it. That's an astute observation. I love Indeed. it. Indeed. So, so tell us some more about sheep, I suppose. I'm going to start off with some things that we probably already know. Um, so first of all, sheep are herbivores, which is, is something that I'm sure... So they, they eat... They eat grass. That's uh, right. Grass, plants. seeds, and grain. And, and really? Plants. Yep. I didn't know they ate the seeds and grains. That's yep. interesting. Um, so, and, and they, um, so they don't eat meat. Yeah. They, they, well, they try not to. Um, lambs walk just minutes after... They've been born. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 
And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad, all you mothers out there, that your children did not walk as soon as they were born? <laughs> that, that would have created a lot of <laughs> a lot of supervision oh, issues. Yeah. I think. I, I, I know. I was when I did start walking. I started walking into ponds and everything, which fall, well, more <laughs> falling than walking. Um, lambs. Uh, they also while well, while they are still young, they are dependent on their mothers for the first four to six months of their lives. Um, now, sheep, they can recognize up to 50 other sheep faces and remember them for two years. For now, two years? Two years. But what happens after the two years? Do they forget them? Well, I, I'm guessing, it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming it's when they're talking about if they haven't seen a sheep for two years. They can still recognize it. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. a bit of sense. Okay. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, sheared sheep don't recognize each other and they... It's, so it's like when, when people get a haircut. Exactly. Just imagine if every time you got a haircut, you came home and nobody knew who you were. Well, I suppose if hair covered your entire body, it would it'd be like changing your whole outfit, your this whole, is true. Your whole this fashion. Is true. This is the very, only very part true. that would be recognizable should be your face, actually. <laughs> Everything else is pretty much gone. Yeah. So, so the sheep don't recognize each other and they might fight for a few days to reestablish the hierarchy. Really? Yeah. So really what you're saying is if I'm just thinking outside the box here, if you wanted to form a military coup and raise your position in the sheep hierarchy, you would want to get a haircut. You'd wait till she to, to the shearing time. Yeah. Yeah. Sheep can That's also, they can also recognize human faces which is pretty cool. Uh, a sheep is much li- less likely to show obvious signs of pain than a domestic dog. This is believed to be because uh, it shows signs of weakness and attracts and it, attract, uh, it attracts, attracts enemies. Predators and sheep are a species that is preyed upon quite often. Uh, like various other species, including humans, sheep make different vocalizations to communicate uh, their different emotions. They also display and recognize it. emotion by facial expressions and prefer a smile to a frown. Really? In, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever seen, I don't know if you guys have watched these videos, but the fainting sheep? Yeah. Fainting goats, maybe they are? Similar, very similar. One but, of the two. But either way, they, when they get frightened, they 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 freak out and they fall over. They they actually they have their their muscles seize up. That's not a great tactic to surviving. I don't know how, what what that benefits them for, but it's interesting. It is indeed. And just quickly before we go, the largest ever wool that has come from a sheep is forty kilos from a sheep named Chris. We're going to move on with the show, though. This is Emmanuel by Michael Card. Virgin will conceive a human baby bearing undiminished deity. The glory of the nations, a light for all to see, and hope for all who will embrace his warm reality. Light has 
Back to real faith. Uh, obviously, Robbie and, and uh, I'm not sure who has got on because I'm pre-recording this. So, uh, welcome back to to real faith. And um, joining me for for testify segment today is um, our good friend Paolo Rodriguez. Ha- Paolo, good good uh, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks. Uh, how are you? Oh, I'm living the dream. Living <laughs> the dream. Um, now, Paolo, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do uh, for work uh, and and stuff like that? Yeah. Sure. Um, I work at the conference office, North New South Wales Conference. Uh, I work in the Treasury Department. Um, I'm one of the accountants there. Ah, I see. And specifically, I work at in the uh, local church support area. Very so nice. it's me and uh, somebody else, uh, Maxine Puni. I'm sure some of the audience will recognize those uh, that name and myself. So we, we both uh, are in the front line in the help desk trying to do our best to answer you know, many questions, many, many emails, uh, phone calls from treasurers, uh, you know, as part of their accounting roles at the local church level. So we're always there. We're a service desk. Um, yeah, so that that's what we do. That's Fantastic. Do. So if there's any ever money issues or some money issues? <laughs> uh, well, I would say uh, accounting issues. Accounting, yeah. okay. And then, okay. you know, uh, yeah. we, we help with... Uh, the accounting system that yep. churches have, um, yeah, and many other other things. So, Very good. Yeah. Now, Paolo, can you just tell us a little bit about your story, your journey with God, and and um, what it's what your journey with God has been like? Was there a moment where where you met God, and and what's your life been like since then? Sure. Um, I was born in the Seventh Adventist Church. I am from Peru, South yep. America. I came here in to Australia when I was nineteen. Uh, I'm now 33, so I I was born in a church in the Seventh Adventist Church. Uh, I, I'm I am probably I think I'm third generation Adventist, <clears throat> and you know I always went to Sabbath school um, when I was a kid. So I was born in the church and I grew up in the church, but honestly I. I never had an encounter mm. with Christ until this year. Really? Yeah. Um, so that moment was when my grandparents passed away, and I grew up with them. And they were they were you know really good Christians, good Seventh Adventists, always missionary, you know, uh, spreading the gospel, preaching, giving Bible studies to people in the community where they lived back in Peru. 
So COVID hit, actually before my grandparents passed away this year in, in April, when COVID hit, I sort, of, I sort of started to think about, you know, I remember all this. Um, I remember, you know, Matthew 24, all the preachers that always talked about the signs of the times, um, you know, famines and pestilences, wars, rumors of wars. But I, I, I thought, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, that will happen one day. I'll just live my life. Try and get this and that done. Uh, go places. But it's when COVID hit again um, that I started to think about those things, you know. And I started to wonder, okay, I know, like I grew up believing that Christ will come for sec- for, the, for the second time. And we have the signs there in the Bible and I'm now seeing them here. And I said... Yeah, I think it's time to start to read the Bible. <laughs> read the Bible because you always, I always read the Bible, but I didn't read the Bible fully. Yeah, you know, yeah. understand, trying to understand prophecy, Daniel, uh, Revelations, all that. And then my parents got sick in April, and uh, like I said, I grew up with them. Uh, it was a really big, big time, big difficult time for for me. For my for my my life in April, so end of April this year, I I had a call. I, I felt like I had a call from Jesus saying, you know, look, your grandparents passed away. If you want to see them again, there is a promise mm. in the Bible that for those who you know are with Christ and they pass away, they they have we have the promise that they will rise again, that they will come back to life again. Um, you know, at, at the trumpets sound so you know I was very sad and then I said I think it's time to give my heart to Jesus and you know I have been reading I have been enjoying the prophecy um, studies that I have I have been having for the last uh, I don't know six seven months and I have been trying to share also my faith with my friends and in, you know, in social media, um, trying to give Bible studies as well to some people uh, online, um, especially friends back in Peru, which I always uh, keep in touch. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I think, you know, I personally believe that we are living in those times. Mm. We're living in Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verses 7, 8. So... It's time to prepare. You know, it's time to get close with Christ, um, walk with Him every day, and just wait for His second coming. Be a witness to the world. You know, that, that's that's my, my story. Wow. And I guess uh, you sort of said it pretty well then, but if, if the, is there anything else uh, that you'd like to, to tell someone that might be listening that might be in a bit of a situation that is similar to you, to just to encourage them and to tell them there is still hope? Yes, um, what I can say is, you know, Christ is coming for a second time. He wants us, he wants to re- restore our lives. He wants to restore our communication with, with God face to face. You know, that, that communication or that relationship that was broken back on Eden when uh, Adam and Eve, unfortunately, are, they disobeyed. So that relationship was was destroyed, 
but Jesus came for you know to, to heal that uh, that relationship to restore it and all we need to do is just simply accept Christ um, walk with him every day prepare for his second coming and just wish to be you know to have eternal life in heaven and and um, yeah so eternal peace happiness abundantly um, forever mm. in the presence of Christ mm. and why, why not you know having your, your your family or your friends who you have now uh, help them to also come to the to understand this message and help them to also uh, wait for Christ and, and be redeemed Mm, amen. Mm. Amen. Well, Paolo, thank you so much for coming in this afternoon and joining us. Um, such a powerful story, and I pray oh, that, uh, that God continues to work through you and through your life. Uh, we're going to move on with the show now. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Shepherd 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Liam. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, just before we get into our Bible study today, I just want to do another shameless plug. We would absolutely adore to hear from you and hear your questions to deal with in our, or to address in our uh, Question of the Week section later on. And so if you have any questions about God or about the Bible or about any of those kinds of things, could be a big question, could be a little question, we'd love to hear from you. And you can call those in at one 800 324 843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text us at 
0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, our first caller in today is going to receive a free New King James Version Bible with some Bible studies in the back, I think. So, super exciting. Uh, so, if you'd like to get your hands on that free Bible, make sure you call in or text in with your questions. So, we are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and we're going to be continuing our series on the birth of Jesus, our Christmas series. How do you feel about that, Liam? Man, I'm stoked. I, uh, I love the... The story of Jesus' birth is one that is... It's very, very sweet. Mm. And it's, it's, it's actually, while we're on beginnings, now it would be a, a red hot opportunity to mention something that, uh, that will be beginning. The, uh, the end is going to be, is, is producing oh, yeah, something right. about the beginning. <laughs> that's right. I, didn't, I was not picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> no, no. It's not, it just came to me just then. That's I thought, right. You know what? We'll just do it. So recently we, we had a, uh, a plug called America in the End, which was a series on America and Bible prophecy. But the same people, Justin and Lyle and Sharissa, are going to be presenting from the 15th to the 17th of December, available online on YouTube, the Facebook channel. You can check them out at theend.digital. Uh, they're going to be presenting a series, a three-night series, that's actually called The One, and it's talking about the Bible prophetic evidence that Jesus is the One. He is the One. And this will be a great opportunity not only to learn more about it yourself, but also to invite any friends that you have that are curious, that are open to learning about Jesus and what evidence there is that, they, that He was something special and that He was foretold in the Old Testament. Would love to come and check that out. It'd be a great thing, indeed. So as I was saying, like one thing I love about Christmas is is that it, it emphasizes how amazing Jesus is by making him so human. Like this guy is the creator of the universe. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And where was he born? Well, you're about to find out. We're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So so in light of that. Last week, in our last episode, we, we, we looked at how the angel Gabriel showed up. He only shows up four times in Scripture. All of them have to do with announcing something about the ministry of Jesus. Um, and, and what's really interesting about that is that he comes and he announces the birth of John the Baptist, who is to be the forerunner for the ministry of Jesus, the one who announces Jesus and comes to declare and make, way the, make straight the paths uh, for the arrival of the King of the universe. We looked at that, and we looked at how the angel announces the birth of John the Baptist, but then he announces the birth of Jesus. He comes to young Mary, who's most likely a teenage young woman. She's betrothed to be married. She's a virgin, and yet she's told by the angel Gabriel, you are going to have a son, and this son is going to be the Savior of the world. He's going to be Messiah. He's going to be the Christ, the one that you have all been waiting for. He's going to be in your womb, and she's like, whoa. What's going on? Like I've, I'm, I'm a virgin. How can I have a kid? And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come over you and you will conceive and he will give birth to this child. And so we read that that process was going on. She's now pregnant and uh, we're arriving in Luke chapter 2 and we're going to continue the story. So let's start in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Okie dokie. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that uh, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now, I'm just going to stop there. The census. Who Do you know how often a census happens or occurs? 
Uh, typically in Australia, do they happen every few years? Every five years. Five years, okay. Yeah, so the last one was in 2016 in August. So the next one is going to be next year in August. And it's, 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 it's where, you know, this piece of paper gets sent around to all your houses and you got to fill out all this stuff. I don't think it was quite that sophisticated back then. No. I'm assuming that it was, it was just a, you're here, yep, good, next. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas nowadays they like to know who's in the house, uh, you know, your religion, your jobs, your income, your, and all your personal details they, they like to know. Um, so it, times have changed a little bit since then. They certainly have. Now this is really interesting. Just before we go on, it says here, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from who? Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Now, Julius Caesar is, is often referred to as the kind of the one who brought together the Roman Republic and etc. But the person who follows after him is Caesar Augustus. And so Caesar Augustus is actually mentioned in Bible prophecy in Daniel chapter 11 and verse oh, 20. So Daniel chapter 11, verse 20. Check this out. This is fascinating. And what's it's fascinating for a couple of reasons. One... The first thing that's really important about this is that Luke, who is writing this gospel, he's gathered this information from the apostles. He has spent time ministering with Paul. He's writing down all sorts of extra pieces of information. And what those pieces of information do is they validate this historically. Caesar Augustus was ruling in the early part of the first century. He was also ruling in the last part of the first century BC. So, it's very fascinating. He's actually planting all of these details in historical fact that can be verified, and we can actually know the time periods that are being mentioned here. And this is super significant. So he mentions this, but what's fascinating is it wasn't just mentioned here, but it was mentioned hundreds of years before in the prophecies of Daniel. And it says this, Daniel chapter 11, verse 20, it says, There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. The glorious land of the glorious kingdom is a, is a phrase designating Israel. So it's talking about there's going to be an emperor who's going to arise. He's going to put taxes on the people of Israel, but within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. What's fascinating is that that matches the description here. This is the guy who brings taxes into the land of Israel, but not only that, he brings in a census because he wants to know how many people he has under his control in his empire. Secondly, he bases it even further in historical, uh, I guess, to be historically validated. He says that, who's the governor? What a funny name, Quirinius, yeah? Well, we know historically that Quirinius was a governor over the region of Syria, in which Galilee and etc. was a part of, and he ruled from guess when? From Daniel. Not from Daniel. No, sorry, not no. from Daniel. <laughs> Good guess. But he actually, he, he governed from 6 BC to 21 AD. Oh, right. I see. So this is, this is great because this actually verifies the time period in which Jesus must have been born. And from this, we can discern, and from some other things, we can discern exactly when some of these things took place. We know that Jesus was baptized in 27 AD. If you want more information on that, you can text or call in and we can go through that, send you some details on that. We know that from Daniel 9 and from history. But if we look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he starts his ministry at th about 30 years of age, it says in Luke chapter 3. If we do the maths backwards, that brings Jesus' birth to around about the year of 4 B.C., yeah. So there's no zero year. 
No. You go 27, 26, 25, all the way down to 3, 2, 1 AD, and then it goes 1 BC, 2 BC, 3 BC. So around about 4 or 5 BC is when most scholars predict that Jesus was actually born. It's fascinating. I think uh, on the breakfast show, I'm pretty sure we've we've briefly touched on this um, in our question of the day segment. So if you want to go searching back through those, then uh, you can you get can some t- more information exactly. as well. Um, but I think we're gonna we're gonna move on and continue on with verse four of chapter two of Luke. Also, one quick note. Yes, where were they? Where did they have to go? They had to go to, to their, their own city, to the city of their family's heritage, yeah. to be registered in that place. So, Robbie, if this was happening now, where would you be going? I would have to get on a plane and I have to fly back to California. And with COVID restrictions, I wouldn't be allowed to register. No. <laughs> See, if, I, if this was happening now, I would be flying back to Perth, Perth in Western Australia. Yeah. Because um, that's where my family's from. That's right. Indeed. Very interesting. Okie dokie. So, verse 4 of chapter 2. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was the house or, he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So... It was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All right. So what's going on here? I've, it's, here's the thing, okay? When I think about the Christmas story and you think of all the, 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 you know, the, the storybooks or the movies or the whatever they've created to talk about, the, the birth of Jesus, just this alone, verse seven, and she brought for and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Typically, all of that, that's that's one verse that unpacks a whole lot that typically happens over a period of time in all these movies, and that's something that I've never picked up before. Yeah, totally. Now think about this. Okay, so. Where did it say they were from? They were from Bethlehem, Galilee, Galilee originally, going where to they Bethlehem. were living, right? And Galilee was a region. The city that they were from was a city called Nazareth, or a yes. town, more like it wasn't very large. So Nazareth to the city of Bethlehem. Now here's there, there's something really interesting about Bethlehem. It says Bethlehem Ephrathah in some of the accounts, which we're going to find out in a moment. What's interesting is it's specifically one of two cities. There were two Bethlehems, right? Really. Ancient In ancient Israel, there were two Bethlehems. There was Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is where King David was from, where he was born. You've also got Bethlehem that was in the northern region of Zebulun. Now, check this out. Are you ready for this? So, we've been talking a little bit about prophecies. I'm hoping this is going to get you guys psyched about the one. So This in- is getting me psyched. <laughs> I'm just so, sitting here like, Wow. It's amazing. It is. It's amazing because God actually has left all of these evidences that for people who were looking could identify exactly when they could expect the Messiah to come, where they would expect him to come from, and all of these little clues and hints are littered throughout the Old Testament. Now, check this out. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, here's a prophecy about when, not when, sorry, where the Messiah would be born. Now, check this out. It says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Okay, so not just Bethlehem, we're not hedging our bets, it's one of these two cities, it's this specific city in all of Israel. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, right? So there are thousands of places in Judah where people are gathered to live, it says this one spot, 
Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Not only that, it says, whose going forths, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. All right. Whose goings forth, in other words, whose operations are from everlasting. In other words, the Messiah who's going to be born is not going to be a mere human being in that sense. This is God wrapped in human flesh. He's going to be born in a specific place. Now notice this. This is so cool. In order for Jesus to be born in this specific place, where did his parents need to be? In that place. In that place. (laughs) Were they in that place? They were going there. Well, they are now because of the census. Yes. That was brought about by the guy who was also foretold in Daniel would be the ruler at this time period. And because he does a census is the only reason that they went back to this town because they weren't living there. This is the town of their heritage, not the town that they dwelt in. Think about this. If you lived on foot, like we talked about before, how far have you walked in a day? 20 kilometers. Yeah. How far is the longest distance you've walked? 65 or something? Okay. Think about this. The journey from Bethlehem to Nazareth is 145 kilometers. Wow. That's like a, That's a long way. That's a solid couple of weeks, I reckon. Most people would never go more than five miles from their home. Yeah. Right? Most people in, in these kinds of rural societies, before the invention of cars and motorized travel, would not have gone very far. But the Bible prophesied, God said, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And look at all of the things that were orchestrated to make that happen. And they didn't even have a GPS to get to make sure that they got to the right place. <laughs> That's right. No <laughs> GPS. So this is astounding. Not only that, but where is Jesus born specifically? Oh, this is one of this is one of the parts that, as I mentioned before, it amazes me. And it it was born in a manger or a feeding trough. Okay, so think about this. This is the king of the universe. He's not born in a palace. He's not born in even a blue-collar's home. He's not born into a crib. He's born in a stable, the king of the universe, born to a poor couple in a stable with nowhere else to stay, and there they lay their child, not in a crib, not in a bassinet. They wrap him up in some cloths, and they put him in a feeding trough because that's the best thing they have available. This is Randy Travis, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go tell it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere Hey, go tell it on that mountain Jesus Christ is born Go tell it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere I say go tell it on that mountain That Jesus Christ was born Shepherds kept there watching over silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there's only holy light. Go tell it on that mountain, over the hills and everywhere. I said, Go tell it on that mountain, that Jesus Christ is born.
God sent to us salvation Born that Christmas morn Hey, go tell it on that mountain Over the hill and everywhere I say, go tell it on that mountain That Jesus Christ is born I said, go Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and me, Liam. Um, just uh, so a really quick uh, announcement. If, if you guys would love to get your hands on a free Bible, all you need to do is call us up at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can send us a text at 0491-064-669. And all you need to include in this uh, phone call or text message is a question for us. You do that. And, and we'll be sending you a Bible. I love it. And even if you're like, man, dude, I got I got like two Bibles in my house. I got three on the bookshelf. Just think about, is there somebody that you could give a Bible Does to? Does your neighbor have a Bible? That's right. Great opportunity to give something away Absolutely. to someone else. Absolutely. So we'd love to hear from you. Send us in your questions, please. And uh, let's jump right back into it. Okay, so where we finished off, we just were talking about how Jesus is not born and laid into a fancy bassinet or a crib, or a cradle. He's laid into a feeding trough, which is the best that they could give to him. And what's fascinating about this to me, before you make a point here, Liam, is that Jesus can understand what it is to be poor. If you have not grown up in a circumstance, or you are not currently in a circumstance where you are wealthy, or where you are you know, privileged to have all sorts of financial security, Jesus can relate, because Jesus grew up in a very poor home. In fact, he was so poor, he was laid in a feeding trough when he was born. It's powerful stuff, man. God can relate to you. Absolutely. So, you th- I mean, just think about it. Jesus is the king of kings, okay? Over in England, we've got our, our wonderful royal family. And um, look, just the American in the room's just kind of rolling his eyes about I know. how important that is. Look, although it might seem a little bit sacrilegious, and although people, even if you, if whether you're religious or not, you still might not like me for saying this, but I do have a soft spot for the royal family, <laughs> the, the, the royal family and her royal highness, the Majesty the Queen. Um, but there are just a couple of comparisons that I want to make between Jesus' birth 
and a royal, like a, a, a British royal birth that are quite, quite fascinating. So when Jesus was born, he was born in a stable in a manger. When a royal baby is born, they are born at St. Mary's Hospital in England, which is one of the, probably, if not the best private hospital in all of England. And so it's top of the top of the top. Um, royal babies must use the royal the royal gynecologist, and I don't know if they had gyne- the uh, the gynos back then, but uh, if they did, I don't think Jesus would have had the best one you can get. He probably would have had just any that they could get. That's right. The, it would have been any midwife that they could have been exactly. able to get access exactly. to. Exactly. Um, now, this is this next thing that I found is one that I think is a little bit similar and that can be related. The queen must be the first to know about the birth of the new royal baby. With this, God, I'm assuming, was one of, I mean, apart from Mary, but I reckon even potentially even before Mary, there's another rabbit hole we can dive down, but God was one of the first to find out that Jesus was born. So that is one thing that I think is a similarity. The next one... And this is one that, that I think we'll touch on a little bit later. The birth announcement and the town crier. The town crier. So the birth of the baby is announced um, on a little plaque that's set out in front of Buckingham Palace. And it's announced by the town crier. Now, like I said, we'll touch on this a little bit later. But So I'll move on to the next one. Um, after that, there's also post, uh, the post-birth photo call and everything. And they, obviously, they didn't have <laughs> cameras back then, so that didn't happen. So... Yeah, it's just, it's amazing to compare, like, just... Jesus doesn't get any of this stuff, right? No, no. Jesus is is born in a humble, lowly state. He's not given any of the privileges of humanity. He's not given any... Any of the the you know the the, the delicacies and and dainties that people would would expect to be given to somebody of power and prestige. He's born a lowly human being, and he's born not at the highest of the caste system or at the top of the pedestal. He's born at the bottom, just like many many people are born. And I love that because God is able to relate to everyone, but he's he's also able to relate specifically to the downtrodden. And those who have not been born with certain uh, privileges or born born with certain advantages, I should say. All right, so let's keep reading. Let's find out what's going to happen. Now, by the way, this was seven verses, but to, to go 145 kilometers on foot as a pregnant woman would probably have been an even slower journey than normal. This, oh, exactly. This seven verses contains a, quite a long yeah. period of time. So what happens next? Let's jump into verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds. What does your Bible say? Can you just read verse 8 for me? It says exactly the same word for word. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by the night. I thought there was a typo, but evidently not. Um, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. All right, we're going to pause there in the middle of that. Okay, so so here you have the announcement of Jesus' birth, right? Last week we talked about the... the uh, oh, sorry. We had the announcement last week. They announced Jesus was going to be born. Here we have the arrival, and now we're having an acknowledgement of this, right? Mm. Okay, so who's there to hear it? The shepherds. The shepherds. Now, I love this. Who announces it? The, 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 the angel. All right, so you've got an angel of the Lord. It doesn't name him specifically here, but it might be Gabriel. It might be someone else. We don't know. But what's fascinating here is 
As you might expect, when an angel appears to you, what's the typical response we see in Scripture of people responding to a supernatural event, a supernatural being appearing to them? They're afraid. They're afraid. Terrified. Right? Makes a lot of sense. You see something that's totally out of normal, that's totally otherworldly, it's going to shock you. But what's astounding is the very first words that come out of his mouth. What does he say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We see this repeated all throughout Scripture. In the last chapter, we saw that when Gabriel speaks to Zacharias, he says, do not be afraid. When he speaks to Mary, he says, do not be afraid. When he speaks to the shepherds, he says, do not be afraid. Fear not. We see this happen over and over and over again. God's desire is not for us to cower in fear and tremble because what he's coming to announce to us is good news. Mm. So check this out. He says, do not be afraid. God's modus of operation is not typically one of fear, right? It's not one of, let me, let me terrify you. Some people are terrified of him because of who he is, but that's a different story, right? It's not, it's not, the, it's not that there's a good reason to be terrified of him. Yeah, and just also, this was what I was mentioning before about the uh, the other thing that is in, in common with the royal family, the British royal family, is that the announcement by the town crier. And what the town crier does is he, he, he comes out to the front of the building and yells at the top of his voice that, uh, that the baby has been born. And that it is it is something that is going to bring greatness to to the land, and the the next monarch in in line for the throne is uh, is here, and um, so yeah, I think in all the other examples that I gave in regards to this comparison, they were comparisons where it probably put it in favour of the royals probably got the better the better deal, the the British royal family got the better deal, but with this bit with the announcement of the birth. What we're about to read, I think, makes this birth, the birth of Jesus, it, it, he gets the, the better part of it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But check this out. Think about this in contrast to that. What's really fascinating is they knew that it was about the time when the Messiah should be coming. There were lots of people who were rising up in between this period and the time where Jesus is announced as the Messiah at his baptism, right? Which is, is 27 years after this, approximately. Or uh, sorry, thirty years after this, approximately. When you when you think about this, who's here to actually acknowledge this? The Jesus, like the Jesus is born, and the angels rock up, and who do they rock up to? Shepherds, shepherds who are out in the fields. Why didn't they just come and announce it somewhere else? Why didn't they rock up to to Caesar Augustus's palace and and say, "Behold, here I am. Jesus is born." Isn't that interesting? Yeah. What's fascinating is I imagine that these shepherds, these lowly, humble shepherds, were probably some of the few people who were in a space where they were actually thinking about it, yeah. looking for it, yeah. longing for it. Because, you know, it's fascinating. There could have been the whole of Israel should have been ready for this and ready to surrender to God immediately. This night, looking for this. This night being census night, they were probably all crammed, packed into these buildings and mm. like... On the one hand, you think, oh, yeah, no, they might have been distracted by what's going on. But all these people that are together, surely one of them would have thought of it. Yeah, but you'd think so. You'd, yeah, exactly. But now, check this out. Okay, not. so do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now, who is this going to be for? All people. Yep. Now, this is super profound. This is super significant. God's good news was never intended to just be for Abraham 
and his descendants. When you think about this, if you think about the call that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he gives him a blessing, right? He says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And he says specifically this, after he says those things in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, this is, the, this is the promise that God makes to Abraham when he calls him out to be a separate people, the father of the nation of Israel. Check this out. It says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in Genesis 22, verse 18, after the incident with, uh, da, 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 with Isaac being taken up on the mountain, and God rescuing him from sacrifice, what does he say? He says, in your seed, your offspring, your descendant, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God's promise and God's plan was always to bless all people, but it had to come through someone's lineage. And so God chooses a man named Abraham, and his descendants are the ones who are to, to bear that person. And here he comes, God born in flesh, Right? Other prophecies call him Emmanuel. The virgin shall give birth, Isaiah 7, 14. His name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here he is, he's born, and it says right here, the angel's pronouncement reminds us that the gospel, the good news, was always for everyone. Mm. And I love that. <laughs> it's, yeah. Because I'm not born, I'm not of Abraham's descent, not physically. But what we have here is that everybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ becomes a member of Abraham's family spiritually. Mm. You are spiritual Israel when you put your faith in Jesus. When you come to put your hope and your trust in this Messiah, God in flesh, you are a part of the family. It's something that you just, it's, it's hard to get your head around, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Shall we keep reading? We shall. So he says this and then he continues. Uh, for, there for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Awesome. So the angel says this stuff, and then immediately after what takes place, singing proclamation. I love this. And praise. And what's interesting is that we're going to see this, this come up not only here in this story with the angels, but then in the story with the shepherds, and then in the story with, that we go through next week, which talks about the, uh, the people who received him when they were brought to the temple, uh, that there's this, there's, this, there's this believing, but then there's this proclaiming and then praising God. And the angels are praising God. I love this. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Now think about this. This is so profound. I love this. Somebody said to me once, you ever go to a church or you go to somewhere and, you, and someone says something that's just so profound that you have to write it down. So I had this experience. I was sitting in a, in a church while I was traveling in America once with my family and I was sitting and there was, there was a Sabbath school lesson, which is like a Sunday school lesson. You've got this time before the church service and he said something that was astounding, and I see it right here. It says here, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. And then what's the next part? The Lord. Lord. Yeah. Okay, I want to make a point here that is, put this away. If this makes sense to you, this is one of the most profound things I've ever learned. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then he's everything, mm. Right? We need a savior because we are, we are broken, sinful people who have wandered from God. 
who have rebelled against God. We need a Savior. We can't fix our situation. But we also need a Lord. Lord means master. We need someone to direct us and guide us in life. Now, I want to point something out to you. There are many people who profess to follow Jesus who say, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. In other words, he's the one who saves me, but I don't follow him. I don't go where he goes. I don't walk where he says to walk. He's my Savior, but he's not my Lord. If he's not both, he's nothing. There are another group of people who profess to be followers of Jesus, and they say, Jesus is my Lord. He's the one who I follow his commandments. I do all of these things. I hit the checklist, but he's not my Savior because I'm good enough to save myself. They walk around with a face that looks like they swallowed a toad. That's right. The problem here is is if Jesus is not both your Lord and your Savior, then he is neither. This is Billy Ray Hearn and Tom Fetke, Gloria in Excelsis Deo.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Liam. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, just one more shameless plug. This is our last plug before our Question of the Week segment, which is coming up shortly. So if you have any questions that you'd like to send in about the Bible or spirituality or about Jesus, God, whatever you'd like, we would love to have a chance to hear from you and to try and answer your questions. And uh, the first caller in who's going to get a free copy of a New King James Version Bible um, with some helps notes at the back to help you study some topics. So if you'd like to get that, you can call in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so we were just talking about how he says that Jesus will be Savior and Lord. And I just want to reiterate that to make sure it made sense because this is, I think, one of the most profound lessons I've learned in my entire Christian journey. If Jesus is just your Lord, in other words, he's, he's just the one who tells you, this is what I do, this is how I do it, but he's not your Savior, then he's not actually your Lord either. Because if you're not allowing him to save you from your sins, from yourself, then guess what? You're not really following him truly, are you? Secondly, if Jesus is just your Savior, but he's not your Lord, you're allowing him to forgive you, but you aren't you aren't allowing him to direct your life, then you're not really allowing him to save you either because you're continuing to walk in the same way and to do the same things and to go back into the old life all the time. Now, we fall, we fail. The point is Jesus must be your Savior and your Lord or he's neither. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. I think it's one of the most profound lessons I've ever learned. And it's it's walking that walk where we realize we need a Savior, but we also need a Lord and that he must be both that's what a real relationship with God looks like. Amen. I think it's profound. Amen. And this is what Jesus has come to do and to be for us. All right. So let's continue reading. The angels have praised God. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. They're proclaiming Jesus. They obviously believe because they're coming from heaven. And uh, they proclaim and they praise. So let's find out what happens in the rest of the story, starting with verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them on her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I love this. All right, so what's going on in this section? Just give us a little summary. So basically, the the, the, the um, shepherds, sorry, well, the angels have gone back to heaven, and the shepherds have been like, holy dooly, this is incredible news. We need to go, first of all, we need to go find this child and we need to see this for ourselves. And then once they've found this child and realized that this child is really here, that this baby Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is really here, we're going to go tell everybody else because everyone needs to know this. I love this. This is such evidence that they believe. Like, check this out. The angels come, the angels deliver the message. And what is it that they say? Come now. Let us go and see 
this thing which has come to pass yeah, exactly. that the Lord has told us. When they, they hear the news from the angels, they do believe. Yep. Belief leads to action. Faith is belief plus action. It's sort of like if, if you heard that – well, let's go back to the queen. If you heard that the queen <laughs> is in town, okay, you – I mean, then again, it might be something that you – the queen's getting old. Let's go to Prince William. Imagine Prince William's in town. <laughs> um, you, you hear that he's here and you're like – are you serious? That's crazy. I believe it. I believe I it. See it. I need to go and see this because yeah. it's something important. I love it. Yeah. And so they they decide we want to see this thing that we have heard about, not because we don't believe, but because we do believe. Exactly. And I love that. So what do they do? They start running. It says not only did they go, but it says they come with haste. In other words, they dropped They're not everything They're not and they walking. ran. <laughs> now, I don't know what they did with their sheep. If their sheep know them, maybe they followed them. I don't know how that worked out, but it was it was big enough for them to risk leaving all of their livelihood behind. That's how good this good news is. Absolutely. And I want to just point this out. I think this is a great opportunity to say it, that when you really pick up and understand just how good the good news of Jesus Christ truly is, it's worth more than everything else. Everything else is worth is worth dropping to go chase after Jesus. Now, this this doesn't mean you you let go of all the people that are you're responsible to, etc. But you can drop the other things that are in the way, and you can focus on coming to see Jesus. He's the most important thing. He's the most important thing that you will ever find, and he's the only one who will give you lasting peace in this life. Amen. And I love that. So they go and they chase him down, and they find Bethlehem. Now, imagine this. I imagine that in the town of Bethlehem, there were multiple stables. Yep. So if you're running around and you're looking for this, what are you probably doing? Looking in every single stable. You're checking all the yeah. stables. You're asking around, hey, hey, where is he? Where? The angels told us the Messiah was born tonight. He's he's in a stable. Who who knows where there's a pregnant lady who's been staying in a stable? Where I'd is imagine he? that they would have gotten a couple of strange looks. I bet they would have. But what's interesting about this is this would have drawn attention to the fact oh, for sure. that the announcement of Messiah had come. Yep, yep. And I love this because what they are unwittingly doing is they are already starting to proclaim that which they believe, that Messiah has arrived. Because when you believe, you will come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, you cannot help but proclaim the truth of who he is. And I love that because they start to proclaim already Everywhere they go, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds, right? Now, imagine being the mother and the fa- or the father of Jesus, and you're in the stable, and here he comes, and you've got, you've got this, this news coming, right? You're sitting here. You've just given birth to the Messiah. You know this is happening, but what confirmation you're getting? Here come shepherds that you've never met. They're running in from the fields, and what are they saying? The angels declared to us that Messiah was born. This is yet another confirmation that Jesus is who the angel proclaimed he would be. I mean, think about that today. If you were like in the city and then a bunch of farmers from out the country came in and started saying something crazy like, Jesus is born, a lot of people would probably just ignore them and bat an eyelid and say to these guys uh, that they're, they're dehydrated from the drought. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're off their meds. There's something wrong. They're talking bonkers. Yeah. But Mary and Joseph would have known. Exactly. Right? Now, think about this. Joseph, 
Joseph has to exercise a different kind of faith than Mary had to exercise. Mary knows that she's not slept with anybody. She's seen an angel, and she's pregnant, right? She knows there's something going on that's supernatural. Super crazy. Joseph has to believe that what his wife has told him is true, and he gets confirmation in a vision. An angel comes to him, and he sees this, he hears this. But sometimes we can, we can have this game with ourselves where we try to convince ourselves that thing that was so convincing three weeks ago that God said is also all of a sudden not so convincing now. You know what I mean? Mm. Like God reveals something to you, it's plain as day, but then time puts it in the back burner, it becomes distant and vacant, and you start to say things like, oh, maybe that was just indigestion. Maybe that wasn't God speaking to me. But what's astounding here is that God confirms this and gives them extra evidences of what he has said is going to happen. Because here come strangers that you've never met before saying, the angels told us, here we are, this is Messiah. Truly magical. It's amazing. Yeah. It's miraculous. It, <laughs> Uh, there's, there's like words beyond what I can come up with to, to describe it. It's, ah, oh, this is just, uh, like I said at the beginning, this is one of my favorite stories. I love it. Yeah. Well, we've got a minute left before question of the week or before our break before question of the week. Let's finish off with this last part. In verse 19, it says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She held on to all of these things. And what's amazing is that in the journey of faith, as we follow God, He's going to reveal himself in different ways at different times, and these things need to be remembered and reflected upon. And I guarantee you that during the life and the raising of Jesus, all of these events added up and compiled to the point where she could know and believe that this was not just Messiah, this was not just the answer to these things, but this was her personal Savior. And she could know and trust that God's Word was kept and that this young man named Jesus would be exactly who God said he would be, and she could put her faith in him. And the shepherds wander away from there, and they're glorifying God for all that they had heard and all that they had seen. This is Anthem Lights, It Is Well With My Soul.
welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Liam. That was Lauren Daigle with Little Drummer Boy uh, a, uh, on the, from uh, the Behold album, in case you're wondering. Um, but yeah, we're, we're back with our question of... What time is it, Liam? <laughs> Tell me what time it is. Question of the week. You know, I was... <laughs> Usually, I'm on the other side of the desk, and I I know what's going on. I put you in a really tough spot today, Liam, because I didn't didn't have a co-host today, and so he's doing two (laughs) jobs. So, all of our our lovely listeners, just know that Liam is is doing, he's pulling the weight of two people today. I had no idea what to do there, because usually someone else says, hey, Liam, what time is it? But I was like, what a... What do I what do I what do I what do I do? What do I do? But that's all we do. There we go. Sometimes being out of out of habit and out of out of the normal circumstances makes it quite difficult to do things that we just naturally do all the time. It does indeed. But it has come that time of the day that I love question of the week, and I believe we have a sweet question on the way. We do indeed. This question comes in from Darren. So thank you, Darren, very much for your question. And his question is Did Christmas Day originate from a pagan festival? And if so, was it the Roman Catholic Church who brought it? into the early church and make it the official day of the birth of Jesus? And is this biblical in any way? All right. Thank you very much for your question, Darren. Now, we did touch on this briefly last week as well. So um, if you go back and listen to last week's, you might get some extra information that we might not share today in case we miss anything. But um, Christmas Day that we celebrate on the 25th of December, where did it come from? What's the origin? So what's really interesting is that In the early Christian church, we don't have any records up until the 4th century of anybody recognizing any kind of uh, gathering or festival to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So for the first few centuries, we just have no record of there being any celebration of the birth of Christ. Um, We have the stories in Matthew and Luke, the two accounts there that we have of the birth of Jesus. But in neither of those does it tell us when Jesus was born. So what's, what's very unlikely is that it's very unlikely they would have held the census in the dead of winter when it would have been most difficult for people to travel. There are some some textual indicators that indicate it may have been a different time of year based on when shepherds were out in their flocks. I'll leave that to, to you to research if you want to look into that a bit more detail. Don't have time to, to jump into it now, but... It's very unlikely, and most scholars suggest that it was it was probably in the summertime that Jesus was most likely to be born. However, this leads to the, the other part of your question, which is how come the, the church began to celebrate Christmas, to create this holiday, and also to do this in the middle of winter, in the Northern Hemisphere winter, obviously, because, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a Northern Hemisphere native, so no, in my okay. head, winter is still... December to February, so <laughs> I have to remember that, even though it's always hot here for the last 12 years. But anyway, um, so where did this come from? And what's very interesting is that the Roman Almanac tells us that Christ's Nativity Festival, led by the Church of Rome, or the medieval church, uh, would have or was, was celebrated in 336 AD, so the 4th century. So this is after the conversion of Emperor Constantine after the institution of Christianity as a major move in the empire with the goal of uniting the empire under one banner, and one way to connect people is through religious belief. Um, So after this took place... Yeah, a good way to... uh, After this took place, um, uh, it sort of... Actually, I don't know. Never mind. Um, So... (laughs) 
So after this takes place, you have the, the, the decision of when will we do this celebration. What's very interesting to note is there were a, a number of pagan festivals that would take place in winter around the winter solstice. Now, December 25 was the winter solstice, right? So the shortest day of the year, um, as opposed to the equinox, you have a winter solstice, you have a summer solstice, you have a spring and autumn equinox, equinox meaning equal night, where the day and the night hours are approximately equal, about 12 hours of each. Not exactly equal, but pretty close. Um, And so in this, there was an opportunity to unite people and to appropriate these pagan holidays and giving them a Christian reason to gather, which was probably done as a way to try and unite the people and to move forward and and bring people together under one banner, for better or for worse. And so what we see here is that December 25 was the winter solstice. It was celebrated by a number of different uh, pagan groups. They would celebrate uh, Saturnalia, which was the worship of the god Saturn. Um, you also have Mithraism, which was celebrated, or which was a religion uh, that was popular. It was a Persian god, the Persian god of light, and it was popular among the Roman soldiers. They would often worship this god. And so there were celebrations on December 25th about this at the winter solstice. And so this is really how it comes about, appropriating that time, that date, and using it with a Christian uh I guess, alternative and a way to try and ameliorate the pagan people and to connect them with the church. Now, there's a lot of challenges with this, obviously. Um, This brought a lot of people into the situation where they were bringing a lot of other pagan ideas into the church as well and appropriating pagan ideas and putting them under a Christian banner is not not really a great idea, to be honest. But what do we do with that now? Because the world celebrates Christmas, and how can we utilize this as an evangelistic tool is, I suppose, the question that comes to my mind. Because lots of people celebrate Christmas, and what can we do to utilize that as people are thinking about that, they're gathering with families, and people are often lonelier at this time of year and more open to spiritual things. And this is one of the reasons that I think it's really significant for us to capitalize on the opportunity that we have of our culture celebrating something like Christmas as a time where we can really do outreach and really aim to try and lead people to Jesus, not just to tell them the same one story of Jesus' birth, but to lead them to the the ultimate story that is, is so crucial, which is that Jesus has died for them and is resurrected and is offering them newness of life through belief in Him. And so... Those, there's a little bit of a brief rundown on the origins of Christmas there for you, Darren. I hope that's helpful. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that one of the most important things we can do is use the opportunities that we have around us as a way to capitalize on sharing the gospel. And um, that's one of the goals I think we can we can really do. Yeah, absolutely. No, well, thank you very much for that, uh, Robbie. Uh, we're going to move on with the show. This is Ellie Holcomb with Red Sea Road. Buried dreams, laid them deep into the earth behind us, said our goodbyes at the grave, but everything reminds us.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Liam. And uh, yeah, thank you again to Darren for that question. Um, I was actually thinking about it as I went to fill up my water bottle. And I've, I guess I didn't really answer the last question. Is it is Christmas biblical? And the, the short answer is no, it's not. Um, it's not included anywhere in Scripture. Um, and if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, there's no biblical mandate that you need to. Uh, what I would say is let's capitalize on every opportunity we have to evangelize. And that's that was kind of my personal thoughts, but yeah, there's, there's, it's not actually biblical, um, but there you go. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so I guess I've answered that question now too, hopefully. So anyway, the, we've come to the last portion of our show today, our application section, and um, let's get to our application. So what can we draw out of the story today? Well, I think you made a, a really, really good point earlier uh, when we were talking about in uh, in verse, uh, what was it? Verse uh, verse eleven, uh, when the angel came down to the shepherds and to the shepherds and said, "For there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior, who is Christ the Lord." And how you 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 know you can't have Jesus as just your savior savior or just your Lord. He needs to be both your savior and your Lord. You need to you need to believe that he has the ability and and will save your life and and take you to heaven with him when the time comes again and you also need to follow his commandments yeah i think it's really important the reason that we follow is because he has saved yeah it's not in order to get him to save us absolutely i think that's the crucial element sometimes we get these things confused and it's it's just so interesting so often we find ourselves falling too far to the left or too far to the right, and we miss the point. But yep. the point is that Jesus is is our Savior. If He's not your Savior, He can't be your Lord. But if all He is is your Lord, He also can't be your Savior. So you need Him to be both. You need Him to direct your future life, and you need Him to save you from your past. Mm. Um, you need Him to save you every day. So it's beautiful. Amen. Um, something that I really like about this passage is is what Mary says. It said, or well, not what she says, but what it says that Mary does. It says that she pondered these things in her heart. And I really think that for anyone who's on a journey with Jesus, you need to remember and to hold on to those moments where God has demonstrated to you confirmation of who he is, the ways that God has acted in your life. You need to remember them, reflect on them, because there are times where life gets tough. Think about this for Mary. She had to go on now from this point forward, and it doesn't say that she had that she had angels showing up at her door. She didn't get any more confirmation that we have written in Scripture for the rest of Jesus' life until his ministry started and she saw him do miracles. And, and this That's moment, 30 years. This moment for you could happen at any time of your life. Earlier in this program, we had uh, Paolo come on and share a bit of his testimony, which is what I guess this would be. And his moment was when, sadly, his grandparents passed away mm. uh, at the beginning of the year as a result of COVID. 
Um, you know, he, he had, he, he believed in Jesus, but it was that moment where he realized, where Paolo realized, hang on, there's something big here going on. Mm. And it's, and that was his moment. If you, if you missed that, make sure you go back to the podcast and, uh, and check it out. But yeah. Things like that, you know? Yeah, you need to remember what God has done for you because there are going to be difficult times. Mary would have many times, as people were calling her names as saying that, you know, Jesus would have been a bastard child as they would have seen it, that that when she was being ridiculed, oh, this is the carpenter's son, oh, we know him and his story, she would have had to hold on to these moments where God had revealed the truth and to believe what God said over what everyone else around her was telling her. And I think that's a really important lesson for us to take on board. Amen. Another thing that I think is really valid out of this that we can apply to our lives is that when Jesus is, when God is inviting you to come and you believe, you can then go forward and that's what fuels you to be able to proclaim and to praise God. They're given the message they're invited to not only believe, but to come and see. You've heard the message. And so what I want to say to you is if you have heard the gospel proclaimed to you, you've heard about Jesus, but you need to see and step into it for yourself and explore it for yourself, my encouragement to you is to go, to do it. Don't just hear, but see. Come and taste and see, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, and know that the Lord is good through experience. So we want to invite you to do that. May God bless you and keep you. Remember that real faith is live faith. faith.